we're recording. Okay. Good to go. Okay, cool. Here we go. Welcome into another edition of Ask the Experts. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Dave Callender. My guest this hour, it's Canada's top real estate agent, Faisal Susie Walla with Rebex Twin City Realty. Faisal, good to see you again. Great to see you, Dave. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, I assume you are as well. You've been keeping busy? Yes, yes, very busy. That's what we like to hear. And uh, if you're listening to the show today and you'd like to get more information, as you listen throughout the hour, you can always call Faisal at 519-624-5555. Uh, you can go online to his website, which is at homeshack.com. And of course, you can grab a hold of a copy of his book if you really want even more information. Uh, Faisal's book called The Real Deal, Billion Dollar Real Estate Broker, available on Amazon as a book and an audio book right now. We'll be talking about that a little later in the show, as we usually do when we start off the show. Faisal, why don't we get a market update? Just talk a little bit generally of what's been going on in the past month or so. Well, we've certainly seen uh, some declines happening in the market, both declines in the sales and in prices. So we've seen uh, us come off of the highs of the end of February, beginning of March. We saw record prices. Uh, we were from March of 2020 to March of 2022, we have seen an increase of 62% in the region of Waterloo on prices. And of course, inventory was at an all time low Prices were at an all-time high. Demand was at an all-time high. So we've seen that come back significantly now. If we look at the market today, uh, we're seeing that we've dropped anywhere from 25 to 30% in the price. Sales are down significantly. We're certainly not seeing the level of activity. And that's a result of a few things. You know, we're seeing inventory levels higher now. Um, we had less than 100 listings back in January, and we're over 1,500 listings right now. So that's in the region. So that, you know, and now typically 1,500 listings sounds like a lot, but that was the norm back in the good old days, you know, three years ago, four years ago. That was normal. Days on market. We've gotten used in the last couple of months of being, you know, seven to 10 days on the market. Now we're going back to about 45 days on the market. People have started pivoting on their strategies of where to price, how to price, ask low, get into bidding wars, ask market price. So there's a lot of shifts that are occurring. Um, I'm not a, a believer in, in pivoting at this point. I think stick with strategies that have worked but come up with a proper marketing plan for your home and make sure that you're reaching the right audience for your home, because there's still people out there that are buying. And uh, yes, it may have shifted into a buyer's market, but there are still opportunities there for people who want to sell their homes. And a lot of them have to sell. And we'll talk about, you know, some of the uh, situations that people are in a little bit later on. So, Faisal, I'm just curious, as I go past the gas pump, I know it's certainly influencing how much I want to drive. Is that also influencing the, the housing market? Are people from Toronto now shying away from coming to KW? Yeah, that's an excellent point. Um, and I've said this from day one, that back in January and February, when the interest rates were supposed to be going up, my thoughts were that interest rates alone will not have an impact on the demand and the prices. I think it will just 
be normal. And, you know, yeah, there's a little bit of a hiccup, but, you know, it would balance out and people would continue to buy because interest rates were not the only factor. Then you add the Ukraine-Russia situation, then you add the stock market situation, and then you add the gas price situation. And now you've got a recipe for massive declines. Um, our market in Waterloo region has depended on uh, commuters and people that are working in the city, but living in the suburbs. And that's what we've had. The unintended consequences of COVID caused this de-urbanization movement, work at home movement. And now we're seeing a hybrid get back to work three days a week, four days a week. And when we're seeing that happen, people are saying, okay, hang on, I'm spending 40% more on my fuel costs. So I'm adding $700, $800 a month to my gas bill to drive back and forth to Mississauga or Toronto or wherever they're going. So why not look at opportunities outside of this region now and look at perhaps Milton, Brampton, Mississauga, because the delta or the gap between the values that were three years ago and what they are now, Cambridge, Kitchener, Waterloo, it's maybe 10% behind regions like Milton, Mississauga, where for the longest time, there was a 25, 30% gap between the values. So people are saying, okay, instead of spending that seven or $800 a month on my um, fuel costs, why not add that to my mortgage payment, pay $100,000 or $150,000 more for that townhome in Brampton, get to work faster, perhaps use public transit to get to work, and just get home sooner. So there's a shift occurring in the marketplace as a result of that. When the commuters stop coming, and we've seen a decline, I would, I would say probably 50 to 60% decline in the amount of people that were coming out of the GTA markets. Now, they're suffering as well because they have had to look at prices come down and then there's not enough disposable cash from there to invest into a larger home in the Cambridge, Kitchener, Waterloo area or Guelph area. So we're seeing a lot of adjustments happening. And quite honestly, we're just sort of learning what the trends are right now. And we're pivoting as we need to, to understand and how to relate to what's happening in the market each day. Because each day literally is different each week is different. The amount of activity each day and each week is very different. And we're just trying to gain traction in markets. Right now, we were, we were originally the go-to. As you mentioned just a few minutes ago, one of the other major factors are the interest rates. So let's discuss those now. What are your predictions for interest rates and what impact are we going to see? Interest rates have an impact. There's no question about it. But, you know, the catalyst in values going up so much was because we had, you know, 1.9% for a five-year interest rate. Now, you know, so what happened was somebody who was qualified at 1.9% at a certain price point or a certain payment that they could afford, all of a sudden could afford to buy a more expensive home because the rates went down. But that didn't mean that they bought a better home. That just meant that the home that they were originally looking at, let's say $700,000 home that they were originally looking at and the rates were 2.9%, the rates dropped to 1.9%. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, good, I can afford $900,000 now because the rates dropped. Well, guess what? They didn't get the home that they wanted at $700,000. They paid $900,000 for that same home. The value of that home increased as a result of the interest rates decreasing. Now, what we're seeing in the marketplace is the opposite. 
as rates are coming down, that payment that they're qualified for must match the price of the home. So that $900,000 home that you could buy at 2.9% at 4.5% is dropping to $700,000. And literally that's the gap that we're seeing right now. We're seeing 20, 25, 30%. And as rates continue to rise, we're going to see prices come down. It's going to be a great opportunity for buyers to enter the marketplace, but don't expect you're going to get a better home for a cheaper payment. You're going to pay more for the same house at a lesser price. But that will, you know, when you think about it, that will help people get into the housing market who right now couldn't, I guess. Well, this is the, this is the irony here is that three and a half, four months ago, buyers were tripping over each other just for an opportunity to buy a home that is on the market. We were getting 15, 20, 25 offers per property. Didn't matter what the house looked like. They just wanted the opportunity to buy a piece of real estate so that they were in the game and not on the sidelines. Today, with all the changes that have happened, it's just human nature. When all these things are being thrown at you, oh, gas prices are higher. You got to get back to work in Mississauga. Um, interest rates are going up. Stock market is crashing. War in Russia and Ukraine. When all of this is being thrown at you, it has an impact on your psychology. And you're saying, oh, hang on. I don't want to really make any decisions right now. I'm just going to do absolutely nothing. But the fundamentals of the market haven't changed. We still have a housing crisis. We have a, you know, four months ago, we were short 1.5 million homes in Canada. Well, we didn't all of a sudden create 1.5 million homes. We're still in a housing crisis. We still have immigration. We don't have enough homes. And we haven't even accounted for all those 25-year-olds that are living in their parents' basements that need to buy a home. My guest this hour on Ask the Experts, we're speaking with Faisal Suziwala of Remax Twin City Realty. If you'd like to learn more, give them a call at 519-624-5555 or go online to homeshack.com. Okay. All right. All set to go. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Welcome back to the show. Joining me from Remax Twin City Realty, it's Canada's top real estate agent, Faisal Susie Walla. You can find out more at homeshack.com or call him at 519-624-5555. So Faisal, let's talk a little bit more about why people aren't taking advantage of the abundant inventory when just a few months ago, as you pointed out, we were in such a shortage, people were like, I'll bid on anything. Yeah, this is, this is the irony of this market right now is that people have just paused and they're saying, well, I don't want to be buying something right now when the market is declining, but this is precisely when they should be buying because there's an opportunity for them to have their pick of whatever is out there. And we're seeing that there's an abundance of that inventory. They can have a thoughtful process. They can start putting conditions back in the offer. They can ask for a condition on financing. They can ask for a condition on inspection. If you've got a home to sell, you might be able to get away with that even right now. Those are conditions that we haven't seen literally in the last four or five years, but we're starting to see those conditions starting to surface. So why people are not buying, it surprises me because as I mentioned earlier on in the show, the buyer has a certain payment that they can afford. What we're finding now with the rates going up, your payment will have to increase or the price of the home has to come down in order to match 
the payment that you can afford. And we've seen a 30% in some markets, 30% decline on price simply to match that payment. And now we're seeing that happening. So buyers should really take advantage of the fact that there is an opportunity to get out there. Look, it's a long play. It's a long-term investment. There's going to be peaks and valleys in any marketplace. If you can secure your purchase now, at a reasonable interest rate before they start continuing to climb. And you know we, we can talk a little bit about interest rates right now, as well as that there are variable rates and there are fixed rates. And banks have traditionally you know, had interest rate hikes uh, happen for three consecutive terms, and then they'll increase again for another three or six months. And then you'll see a, a bunch of people getting feared into locking into a five-year term at a high rate because they just wanted the security of that. That's great for the banks because now they've got five-year money locked in that they don't have to worry about. But then in two years time, the rates drop again. Now you're stuck at the higher rate. So there's an opportunity right now. I think the variable rate for a one year or two years around three and a half percent. I'm, and again, I'm not a banker. So speak to your financial advisor on this. But my philosophy behind rates is lock in for maybe a year or two years and watch the market because I feel that there will be some settling in those rates once things settle down and people become sort of climatized to the new normal as we call it now uh, you'll see that there will be a rate decrease because there's a manufactured uh, situation happening where these rates are being forced to be increased to control inflation and again again I'm not an economist but I can see what's going on here. And I've lived through three recessions in my career to see these trends happen and see these rates rise and what the banks do a couple of years down the road, they decline the or they reduce the rates again. And then you're stuck with a higher rate. So play that maybe shorter term as opposed to going full. But again, talk to your financial advisor, talk to your banker and get their advice on what you should do for your situation. So we've got numerous reasons why people have entered into this holding pattern, as you say, and whether it's logical or not, people are, are seldom logical. What is going to have to have happen for people to stop being in this holding pattern and realize? So right now we have a circumstance where people have decided that they're not going to buy, they're going to rent. Do you know what that's done to the rental market? It's gone absolutely insane. We're getting bidding wars now on rent. On, on, so I just finished a project in Hespler in Cambridge where um, we have approximately 40 units that are coming up. A lot of those units were purchased by investors. They had anticipated the rent at completion to be around $2,200 to $2,300. We are getting $3,000 a month rent on these units. So those investors are extremely happy because qualified buyers with ex excellent credit, ability to make the payment on a $3,000 townhouse per month are, have decided that they're not gonna buy because the rates are going up. So they're putting themselves in a position of one year rent. Now at $3,000 a month, I don't know how the average family is going to be able to save a down payment to go out and buy a home. So what may be looked as at as a solution is actually going to create a bigger problem. 
we're going to have an abundance of need for rental properties that's going to cause demand in the rental properties, no inventory in the rental properties. And now the prices are absolutely insane on what we can achieve on rent on these homes. Two-bedroom apartments are renting for $2,000 a month. Like that is unheard of in our region. Those were Toronto, Mississauga prices at one time and not that long ago. So all of this good money is being put back into the pockets of investors and nothing wrong with investors getting a gain, but they're, the buyers are not understanding that they're not doing themselves any favor by paying someone else's mortgage at $3,000 a month. When they, yes, they're gonna pay a little bit higher interest rate right now, but they're gonna get a better price. They're gonna be getting their foot in the door. So buyers need to understand that waiting for the market to crash is not the solution. The solution is buying thoughtfully right now and play the long-term game. Real estate has always gone up. It has never declined. It's just, there will be peaks and valleys. Like I said, we've seen declines. We saw that during recessions, we've seen that, but it always recovers. Now, I know that you wanted to talk about uh, the idea of transactions not closing. Uh, is that actually happening now? Are people just walking away from their, their home purchases? It, it's, it's a sad reality of what we're seeing in the market right now. So January, February, and March were very, very strong months. In fact, they were the highest months of sale prices in the history. And I can speak for our region, the history of our region. We've never seen prices like that. So people bought at a high. There's no question. Now, it's all relative. If you bought, if you sold at a high price and you bought at a high price, you know, you're pretty much in the same boat. So if you got a million dollars for your townhome and you spent 1.2 million for that next single family home, the gap was $200,000 between your townhome and that single family home. So you're $200,000 either way. Now, again, this is, a lot of this is psychological based, but a lot of it is also appraisal based and financing based because people who bought in February, if they didn't go to their bank and say, hey, I need financing for this million two property that I've just purchased, and they waited to go to the bank now for a closing that is happening in July, guess what? That appraisal is not going to come in at $1.2 million for that home. I would bet that that appraisal is going to come in at $950,000 because we've had a 20 to 25% decline since February. So the problem is the bank is saying, hang on, Mr. And Mrs. Buyer you are paying 20% down on a $1.2 million purchase, which is $240,000, but your home is only worth $950,000 that you've purchased. You don't have enough equity in the deal here. So we will fund you 80% mortgage based on 950, not 80% mortgage based on 1.2 million. That buyer is now coming in and saying, I can't buy this home. I don't have the funding. I got to come up with 40% now instead of 20%. I don't have that extra $200,000 to put down. So the natural tendency is I can't close. I cannot close that transaction. What does that mean? Well, they put a deposit down. Let's call it a $50,000 deposit on that purchase. They feel wrongly that they'll just lose $50,000. And I'm not saying that lightly. $50,000 is a lot of money to lose. But they figure, well... I paid 1.2 million for this home. Worst case scenario, I lose 50,000. I jump back into the market, buy the same house for 950. I'm still ahead. Net value is 1 million now, even though I lost $50,000 deposit. 
what a lot of buyers are not realizing is it's not just the $50,000 you're going to lose. When that seller gets that property back, has to resell that property, now they're going to sue you for the difference. Okay, well, I want to continue talking about this because I'm sure there's more to say on this topic, but we do have to take a short break. My guest is Faisal Suziwala, Canada's top real estate agent with Remax Twin City Realty. Look him up at homeshack.com or give him a call at 519-624-5555. All right, if we are, all right, we can continue along then. Thanks so much for tuning in to Ask the Experts today. On the show today, Faisal Suziwala, Canada's top real estate agent, joins us once again from Remax Twin City Realty. You can find out more online at homeshack.com or give him a call at 519-624-5555. And if you really, really want to learn some more, of course, uh, we want to mention the book again, The Real Deal, Billion Dollar Real Estate Broker. Uh, it's Faisal's book that he wrote uh, around the beginning of the pandemic. It's available as a book, or if you prefer an audiobook version, you can find that as well at Amazon. Uh, before the break, we were talking about uh, the fact that some folks are finding themselves not able to complete their home buying transactions because the value of the home, the equity in the home has changed in the time they were waiting and we were starting to discuss some of the implications. Why don't we pick it up from there? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, first and foremost, if you find yourself in a position where you cannot close, seek legal advice. Don't make your decisions without talking to a lawyer because their lawyer will guide you properly and possibly help you along the way in navigating through that decision process if you've decided or if you just find yourself unable to close you know that's your first stop ask your lawyer what you should do and get the advice of your lawyer now what we've been finding as i was saying earlier before the break was that you know people are saying well the value of the house that i bought i paid 1.2 million back in february it's only worth 950 my bank appraised it at 950 so i'm i'm better off to lose my 50 $50,000 deposit and go out and buy another house that's identical for 950,000 and i'm still ahead by 200,000 it's not that simple. The seller will or could sue you for any losses that they suffer as a result of your non-closure. And this is the predicament that a lot of people are in right now. We're, we're finding this every day. We're getting calls from agents that are saying, listen, my buyer is not going to be in a position to close, or my buyer needs an extension. My buyer hasn't been able to sell their home. My buyer expected to get X amount for their home, and they waited until May to put their home on the market where the property values declined. A, we haven't been able to sell it, or we sold it for 20% less than what we expected because that was the market decline. This is unfortunate, and this is where anyone that you know bought in the peak and didn't get their financing set up um, or didn't have their home on the market and didn't sell their home, they're going to be faced with a lot of challenges right now. But it shouldn't be taken lightly that, oh, I can just simply lose my deposit and everything will be fine. You will be impacting the lives, not only of yourself, because you're going to get sued most likely. Number two, you're impacting the lives of that seller. But remember, that seller may have bought another home. Now, they won't be able to close on that home. So the domino effect and the impact of that 
non-closure or your inability to transact on the closing date as you promised and put a deposit on is going to have a ripple effect all the way down the line. And you don't want to be at the bottom of that accounting nightmare when you find out what the tab is for all the losses that your non-inability to close has caused down the road. Is there anything that the banks are willing to do to help in a situation like this? Well, the banks want to protect their interest. So the bank isn't, isn't going to give you money based on 1.2 million when you came to them in May when the prices were 20% below and say, you know, you're a nice person. We know we're at risk. We'll give you 100% financing. They want to know that you've got 20% skin in the game. So if you are unable to make your payments for the next three months and they have to take your home back, they don't want to be in a position where they have zero equity or negative equity because you had no skin in the game here at this point or the values have dropped so much that there is nothing to recover even after they sell the property. And we saw that you know, in previous markets back in 1989, 1990, we were flying high and then the recession hit and then we saw the market plunge and people were just mailing in their keys because the value of their homes had dropped 40%, 45%. There was no value left. What's your advice for a home buyer who's going out today to start the home buying process and doesn't want this to be a problem for, for them in three months? What can they be doing to ensure this doesn't happen to them? Number one, get a pre-approval, but a proper pre-approval in writing from your financial institution, not from a mortgage broker who says, don't worry about it. So make sure you see the letterhead of the bank or the financial institution that is going to be lending you the money stating that they have approved you. That's your pre-approval. Uh, pre Number two, when you make your offer and you don't have a firm approval, you just have a pre-approval, make sure you put a condition on financing in there to ensure yourself that you are going to be able to have that five or seven days to send your agreement of purchase and sale to the bank or financial institution or your mortgage broker and say, here's the home I'm buying. Do you need to go appraise it? Do you need to do any due diligence? Do you want me to give you any more information? Do you want to verify my income, my credit score, whatever it is? Am I good to go ahead and wave off and say, I'm buying this home firm and I'm not expecting to default on this mortgage because you, the bank, has now given me, the word is firm, firm commitment, that you've given me a firm commitment. If I lose my job, if I don't have, you know, if something really bad happens in my life between today and the closing date, that you will still fund me. There are banks that will give you a firm commitment, and that's what you're looking for. If you don't have a firm commitment, you don't have financing. So make sure that you ask the right questions and don't take anything for granted. Don't take someone's verbal approval as the approval for you to go ahead and buy a home. Do your own due diligence. Be thoughtful in this process. Ask people that have bought homes before and get the proper advice. This is not a market where you have to make rush and harsh decisions. Make those thoughtful decisions. Take your time. You're not going to risk being out of the market right now. So what was happening back, you know, three or four months ago is not happening right now. So you can really take your time and make an informed decision on what you're doing. And don't get yourself put into a situation where you buy a home today and you wait two months or three months to go talk to the bank and say, hey, can you give me financing now?
Because guess what? If the market declines another 10%, if the rates go up another half a basis point or whatever it might go up, you're going to be in deep, deep, deep trouble. Well, since you, you said the word if several times, let's take a look ahead and see what you expect to see in the coming months. Well, that's my crystal ball, right? So in the coming months, I expect to see the values uh, continuing to decline, possibly another 10%. But the balancing there is that the, the rates are going to increase. So your payment is not going to de decrease. You're going to have the same payment. Yes, you might buy that house at 10% less, but you'll pay that much higher interest rate. So what, you're think, what you think you're saving right now, you're going to give back on your payments on interest. So think about that. Now, I see that happening probably for the next six to nine months. We're going to be, I like to call it, uncomfortable in the market. And we're not going to see uh, a recovery, in my opinion, probably for 24 months where we will be back to the values that we were seeing possibly last fall. I don't think we're going to see February prices for maybe 36 months because we're right now, our trajectory is on a decline. We're not looking at, hey, it looks like there's some light at the end of the tunnel. We're still seeing darkness. We're st still seeing values coming down as a result of, you know, people just not making those decisions right now and sitting on the sidelines. So fast forward a year from now, we're all gonna wake up and say, hang on, we have a problem again. Now there's no rental properties. Builders are not constructing because cost of material is too high. Value of land, I've heard linear foot. So to give you an example, 50 foot frontage for your lot a linear foot is selling at $15,000 a foot. So let's just do the math quickly. 50, 50 feet frontage, a 50 by 100 foot lot at $15,000 a foot is $750,000. Now you take $300 a foot to construct on that, which is the today's cost. If you could get at $300, my understanding from builders is that's a pretty reasonable cost. So a 2,000 square foot home to build on that $750,000 lot is $600,000. Now you're at 1.35 cost for the builder. There's levies and all that other stuff that I haven't even talked about yet, okay? Is a buyer in Cambridge, Ontario, Kitchener, Ontario, or Guelph, Ontario prepared to pay $1.5 million to a builder for that 2,000 square foot home today? No, they're not. So what are builders going to do? They're going to stop. They're not going to build. Now we have a problem. Didn't we have a housing crisis? 1.5 million home shortage. We need half a million homes in Ontario. We have 400,000 new immigrants coming into Ontario. Where is everybody going to live? We have kids that are not kids anymore. They're 25 years old, living in mom and dad's basement, waiting, saving to buy their first home. There's not going to be opportunity to buy homes. So in a year's time, what we're going to see, that kick in. All those people who are renting right now are going to be coming off their one-year lease. They're going to say, Am I nuts? I'm paying $3,000 a month rent. Why am I not buying a home? They're going to jump back into the market. We're going to see this happen. Again, I'm predicting, I hope I'm right that the market will recover. But also, I hope I'm right that there's going to be an opportunity right now for buyers to get in. So instead of staying in your mom and dad's basement, instead of renting that property, instead of sitting on the sidelines, get into the game, buy your first home, do it now. You can buy a single family home for $500,000 today. I didn't think I would say that back in February. That same single family home in February would have been $800,000. So yes, it's 
not great from an interest rate perspective, but you're saving $300,000 over what you were willing to pay at 1.9%. It's madness. Buy a house. What are you waiting for? Stop renting. For first-time home buyers, especially young people, your advice is get into the market, buy your first home. What if they just financially can't? What are some of your tips for how they, they can maybe go together to do that? Yeah, so this combined partnership purchasing, and, I, and I've talked about this on previous shows, you know, if you've got a couple of friends and you've got 10,000, your friends got 10,000, remember, purchase, and, and if you can move into that home as, a, as an occupant, it's 5% down. So if you can buy that $500,000 home at 5% down, your payment, your down payment is $25,000. Look, mom and dad have been complaining about, oh, I can, you know, I want to try to help my kids buy a home. You know what? Put your money where your mouth is, mom and dad. Help your kids buy a home right now. You got a little bit of equity in your home? Take some of that equity out. Help your kids get into the market. Stop complaining about how difficult it is for them to get into the market and help them. This is a solution right now. If you've got some equity, it's no longer unattainable because you know what? That $25,000, most homeowners can draw on that in their own equity from their homes and maybe become a partner with your kids. You don't have to gift it to them. You don't have to give it to them. I get it. You know, we all want to teach our kids uh, the responsibility and, and, and show them how to be responsible adults. But if you've got an opportunity, so let's say you were putting $25,000 down on that $500,000 home, you can become a 5% equity shareholder in that home with your son or daughter. And they own 95%, but now they're making 95% of the rent or the mortgage payment. And you're in it for 5%. So there's so many creative ways of doing it. If it's not mom and dad and a few friends can get together, there you go. Multi-level partnering. And I talk about this in my book all the time. That's how I got started. I got a bunch of friends together and we bought some triplexes. We used that money, to, the, the rental money to pay that mortgage and we extracted the equity and bought the next property. So this is a, an easy solution that you can utilize to enter the market and enjoy what is happening in the declines right now as an opportunity to get in. My guest this hour on Ask the Experts, we're speaking with Faisal Suziwala, Canada's top real estate agent with Remax Twin City Realty. You can give him a call at 519-624-5555 or learn more online at homeshack.com. Right, here we go. All right, here we go. Thanks so much for joining us. This is Ask the Experts, and my guest is Faisal Suziwala of Remax Twin City Realty, Canada's number one real estate agent, I say without hyperbole. You can find out more online at homeshack.com or give them a call at 519-624-5555. Uh, I'm going to ask for your opinion, Faisal. I have seen as many pundits say yes as I've seen say no. Are we heading into a recession? Oh boy, you're using the R word. Uh, so yes, I think that, look, recession is uh, two quarters of GDP declines. And we're seeing that happen. Again, not an economist. I've been through a couple of recessions in my career. Uh, first of all, I was very young in the business, 1990. I saw this happen. That recession took 10 years to recover. So we went from 
the values that the homes were at in 1990-91, we didn't see those values again until 2000. So 10 years of that. And you know, you could almost say that was a depression because that was longer than a two-year cycle and a recession is typically two years. What we're seeing today, I firmly believe is a manufactured recession. It's not something that um, you know, we were automatically gliding into. Um, typical recessions, you don't have employment. You know, employment is a problem. We have a need for employees. We don't have we don't have enough people for the employment that's needed. So, you know, that's one one segment of it. Number two, we have a shortage of housing. We have a crisis where we need housing. In those years, there was an abundance of housing, and there were not enough people to buy those homes. So immigration is at at an all-time high right now, people are coming into the country, population has grown, and we don't have enough to house these people. So everything we're seeing right now, you know, the Bank of Canada comes and says, okay, we're gonna increase rates. Well, great, increase the rates. Now you're causing people to spend more money. So they're trying to curb uh, inflation by rising your interest rates. But if I'm spending more money on my fuel costs and my mortgage payment, I don't have enough money now to go out and spend on restaurants and luxuries and shopping and whatnot. So you're manufacturing this recession simply by creating um, this tightening of people's spending. So I'm not quite sure, again, where the wisdom comes in here. And let's face it, economists have been getting it wrong for, for, for as long as they've existed. In the beginning of COVID, what did the economists say? What did the big banks say? What did the big banks do? They caused this problem. They declined the interest rates. Prices shot up. What did the banks say? And what the economists say at that time? We're going to have a recession due to COVID. I don't know how 62% gain in two years counts as a recession, but that's what they stated. We can go back to March of 2020, and we will see that that's what was said. And I remember being on your show at that time, and I said, this will be short-lived. I don't expect it. In fact, I thought it would go the other way. And again, you know, 50-50 chance, right? Even a broken clock is right twice, right? Or once, whatever that means. <laughs> but at this end of the day, we have not seen this type of market in years. So we've only seen prosperity over the last seven or eight years. So when we're seeing this type of uh, action happening in the marketplace, anybody that, you know, was 25 and is 32 years old right now, they've only seen good times. If you've been through these cycles, you can navigate a little bit better and say, okay, I see what's going on here. I see why it's happening. I see the impact of it, but I'm also going to be patient. I'm not going to react. This is not a time to pivot. This is not the time to pa panic. This is a time to watch. This is a time in every crisis, there's opportunity. This is the time to look at what the opportunities are and play the long-term game. So are we headed into a recession? I think it's going to be temporary. I think it's going to be at best a year, maybe a year and a half. And then I, I expect there's going to be recovery because there's no other way but to recover. Are people going to sell their homes and live on the streets? Where are people going to live? So there's going to have to be some balancing here. The government has a tendency of going too far one way or too far the other way. Their solutions just haven't worked. Uh, you know, it's interesting listening to you talk about all the things that you have seen during your career. You've been through a couple of recessions. You're certainly very successful now. 
And it just brings us back to your book that I want to talk about before we finish off that as successful as you are now, you had some humble beginnings and it's, it's great for people who think about going into real estate to realize that you, you did begin small and got to where you are now. The book is called The Real Deal, the story of a billion dollar real estate broker. Faisal, why did you decide to write this first off? Well, this book was really written as a journal for my children because, you know, I, I my kids are blessed. I'm very blessed that, yes, I came through some very, very difficult times in the beginning of my career, and I've been able to uh, create a very great uh, environment for my family and for myself. But, you know, I don't sit down and tell my children the hardships. And now more than ever, this book has become very relevant because I talk about uh, at the age of 19, 19, um, so that was 1989, I had to file bankruptcy as a 19 year old realtor who had only been in the business for one year. I got in the business at the age of 18. I had to file bankruptcy because we hit a recession. I had, I had, I was the only person on title for a building that foreign investors had bought. And when the recession hit, the prices dropped 35% on a commercial building. All the tenants moved out. I was on title. We couldn't make the mortgage payments. I had to file bankruptcy on behalf of the group because I was the only Canadian on title. So, you know, talk about a lesson learned at a very early age and talk about how to navigate and how not to make those same mistakes again. So the book was really written to... Um, you know, as a journal for my kids, but at the same time, uh, inspiration for a lot of young people, because I was asked to speak at a lot of schools and whatnot about my journey. And I want to share that. Also, a lot about different strategies that I've had to implement, a lot of the mistakes I've made, what I've learned from those mistakes. You know, sometimes you learn from your own journey, and sometimes you learn from other people's journey. And I thought that sharing my journey would give people an opportunity to say, hey, you know, I've been through that. And when I talk to people today who said, oh, I, you know, things have been tough, I had to file bankruptcy, I can look at them and say, don't be embarrassed, I've been there. And don't be embarrassed, look at the opportunities that you can create. Through crisis, there are opportunities. So embrace good and bad, and take advantage and be, always be learning about what opportunities are out there. And like I said, you can pivot into different directions. It's not a straight path to getting to your success. You were very lucky when you started your career that you had a really fantastic mentor on your side. How, is it, how important is it for a young person getting into the real estate market to, to, to seek out a mentor like that? Yeah, Mr. Reed Maneri was my mentor. And, um, you know, I'll tell you, that he was the biggest blessing of my life, especially as a young person. Um, he taught me so much. He gave me good skills. He gave me uh, the ability to learn his methods. And, you know, when he said, just do a good job and don't think about the money, the money will come. And, you know, that's a very important lesson because you can go either way when you're a young person, you think, well, I can make a quick buck doing this or quick buck doing that. And that's how you get into a lot of hot water. Um, having a mentor is important. Today, you know, you may not be able to, uh, you know, I was very fortunate that I had a mentor, but today you may not be able to secure a mentor, but there are coaches. You know, you can go on YouTube, you can Google, you can read books, you can listen to audiobooks. The The opportunities are endless. If you're willing to learn, the resources are at your finger, literally at your fingertips. We had fax machines there. We didn't have Google. We didn't have internet in 1989 where I could. So I seeked out 
a gentleman who took me under his wing and and taught me the ropes and that's so important and if you have uh the 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 uh, good fortune of finding somebody that's willing to take the time i was 18 he was 74 you know to learn from a 74 year old all of his wisdom all of the things that he had taught um you know i'm, I'm just truly blessed to have had him in my life well, at the very least, you can start with the book. Once again, it's called Real Deal Billion Dollar Real Estate Broken, Broker by Faisal Suzuwala. And uh, you can find it on Amazon as a regular book and, of course, as an audiobook. Faisal, thank you so much for being on the show once again. My pleasure, David. Always a pleasure. Faisal Suzuwala with Remax Twin City Realty. If you'd like to get in touch, give him a call at 519-624-5555 or go online to learn more at homeshack.com.